the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Tuesday, March the 17th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today is St. Patrick's Day. If you don't mind, I'd like to just take a moment and talk about St. Patrick. Just a moment or two, not long. March 17th. 461 A.D., St. Patrick, he was a Christian missionary, a bishop, apostle in Ireland. He died in Saul Downpatrick, Ireland. Much of what's known about Patrick, St. Patrick as we know him, his legendary life, it comes from a book. It's called the Confessio. He actually wrote the book in his later years in life. He was born in Great Britain, probably in Scotland. He was born to a well-to-do Christian family of Roman citizenship, Patrick was captured and enslaved when he was 16 years old by Irish marauders. I I don't know what else to call them. They were that. Ireland was kind of known for that. For the next six years, he worked as a herder of animals, probably sheep or cattle in Ireland. But during that time, he really deepened his faith. He knew about Jesus Christ. His parents were very religious. But during that time alone on the hillsides of Ireland, He deepened his faith and came to a personal relationship, he said, with God through Jesus Christ. But during that time, he heard a voice, and following the counsel of that voice that he heard in a dream one night, he escaped and found passage on a ship back to Britain. He eventually reunited with his family. According to the book that he wrote about his life, in Britain, Patrick had another dream, and in this dream, He says there was an individual named Victoricus, gave him a letter, and the letter was entitled, The Voice of the Irish. As he read it, Patrick says he seemed to hear the voices of Irishmen pleading with him to return to their country and walk among them once more. After studying for the priesthood, Patrick was ordained a bishop. He arrived in Ireland in 433, began preaching the gospel, converting many thousands of Irish building churches all over the country. After 40 years of living in poverty, teaching, traveling, working tirelessly, Patrick died on March 17th, 461, in Saul, where he had built his first church. A lot of other stuff has grown up around St. Patrick. You know, oh, there's the the three-leaf clover that he used to teach the Trinity. None of that is verified, but it probably fits with his personality. What I just shared with you is pretty factual because it's out of his own book of his own life. But the first St. Patrick's Day parade wasn't in Ireland. Oh, they celebrate it there. They have a church service. (laughs) It's interesting when the Irish are more religious than other people around the world. They are often seen as drunken street brawlers often i and excuse me and don't be offended because much of my family's from ireland and i've been there but um it's interesting that the first st patrick's day parade actually 
took place not in Ireland, but in the United States. Records show that St. Patrick's Day Parade, the first one was held on March 17, 1601, in a Spanish colony under the direction of the colony's Irish vicar. His name was Ricardo Arter or something like that. And um, more than a century later, homesick Irish soldiers serving in the English military marched in Boston, 737, in New York City. Often, often New York City is said to be the first to have a, I think Boston had one about the same time, but often New York City is said to be the first city to have a, a St. Patrick's Day parade, but that's not necessarily true. They were about third or fourth in line, but in 1762, New York started their parade. I understand that, I think I read somewhere that that was canceled for today because of the coronavirus. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, I, I am sure the first one was 1762. Continuing. Today in 1776, the Revolutionary War siege on Boston ended. British forces evacuated the city. And in 1912... Today, the Campfire Girls organization was incorporated in Washington, D.C., two years to the day after it was founded in Thetford, Vermont. The group is now known as Campfire. I suppose they have boys in there as well. My wife, she and I grew up together. We know a lot about each other. My wife was a Campfire Girl, while it was still Campfire Girls. She and her mother used to go camping. They went up someplace up by... I, of course, wasn't along, but they would go up by Rimrock Lake or up the Natchez River out of Yakima, somewhere up there. But uh, she was a campfire girl. Today, in 1959, the Dalai Lama, he fled Tibet for India in the wake of a failed uprising by Tibetans against the Chinese rule. Today, in 1969, Golda Meir became Prime Minister of Israel. And today, in 2009... The Seattle Post-Intelligencer published its final print edition. I remember that well. I grew up reading the comics in the Sunday Seattle PI. That was kind of a sad day for me when I they went out of print, but they're still online. I read them some in my research for this program. But uh, today in 2009, they went away as a printed newspaper. I saw this today. I thought you might, in the spirit of St. Patrick's Day, and then we'll move on. If you're not Irish, don't get nervous because we're not going to talk about Irish all day today. But a thought for the thought for for the day or for today, it said, it's an Irish saying. It sounds so Irish. May your neighbors respect you, trouble neglect you, the angels protect you, and heaven accept you. Doesn't that sound pretty Irish? It does. Well, I I can tell you how to have the angels protect you and how to have heaven accept you. That happens by coming into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and accepting him as the Son of God, crucified and resurrected from the dead. Heaven has already accepted you when you come to that point in your life, and we mention that often on this program, because that's what this is about. Thank you so much for your letters, for your notes, for your checks to help us meet our budget each month. It's been a little tough lately, and I've mentioned that. We're not going to make a big deal out of it. You understand, those of you who support us, thank you. 
for standing with us. These are changing different kinds of times, for sure. Got this note today. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Thank you. You know who you are that wrote that note. Thank you so much. And for all of the people that don't write notes, just write checks. Thank you. That's great. This note says, thanks for your ministry. It's from um, Tucson, Arizona. Thanks for your ministry. Remember, God is in control. You guys are listening. He is. We try to say that often on this program. And we got this from a couple in Bellevue that support the ministry. And it was the very regular supporters have been for quite some time. On the outside of the envelope, she wrote, uh, or he, one of them wrote, sealed with tap water, as opposed to licking. I don't think, I'm sure they're listening. I don't think you have coronavirus anyway, but thanks for using tap water. That's, I hadn't actually thought about that, but I haven't licked any envelopes lately either. I want to talk to you a little bit today about the, in relation to the coronavirus, I know we've talked about that for a number of days, but it's dominating not only our country, but our world. And the various aspects of it are without doubt impacting our life. In fact, it's an evil thing that the virus itself, there's evil attached to it. China acted in evil ways by hiding. We'll probably talk about that one one day this this week because there's a growing uh, effort on the part of China now. You may or may not be aware of it, but they're 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 hacking into various you know major websites here in America right now, and they're putting out misinformation, disinformation. And they're trying to create panic in, in America. And they have taken great, um, well, they're very upset about what some of the senators, Marco Rubio and others, have said about the way they handled this virus. I agree with Rubio and others who have called them out on it because they tried to, uh, they tried to hide the fact that they had this virus in, in China and they were having an issue there. And they tried to suppress it. They arrested doctors who were wanting to come out and tell people that, hey, we've got a problem here and you should start washing your hands and doing all this stuff. The things we're hearing regularly now from the president here in America, our president, and his task force, Pence, and all those other doctors that are up there every day. But there were people in China, good people. There are many, there are millions, billions of good people in China. But I will tell you, that communist government and communist governments always are repressive and oppressive of the people. They don't serve the people. They don't look out for the people. They use the people. And that's what communism is really all about. It's not about communalism. It's about using people and empowering a few so they can live a life that they choose to live while everybody else lives this communistic or socialistic lifestyle. That's what Bernie Sanders is about. He doesn't live what what he's been preaching throughout this campaign he's telling everybody to drive you know a little gray car and wear a gray sweater and i mean gray is fine i like just all you guys all ride mass transit and do all this stuff together i mean that's basically what socialism comes down to 
But he doesn't live that way. And he's been called out on it. Joe Biden has called him out on it, as a matter of fact, interestingly. But Joe Biden isn't a strong advocate of socialism, at least not publicly. But some of the issues and some of the promises he's making that should he become president are socialistic. So that's the world we live in. But the world we live in now with this, and I'll, we'll get back to that one day this week, but the world we live in now is certainly impacted by this coronavirus. To say otherwise would be totally uninformed. People are turning to God even as we close our churches. There is an impact on the culture. I think it'll be a lasting impact in many ways, not all ways, but many ways. You may have heard, maybe not, the press isn't quick to report these kinds of things for obvious reasons. President Donald Trump, he was among hundreds of thousands of people who attended church online last Sunday. Yeah, he went to church. He set up his computer and clicked in and went to a church service. He uh, he had called for a, on Saturday, he called for a national day of prayer on Sunday and so he went to church online on Sunday. So when I heard that he had, I was, of course, interested to see what church he had clicked into. Well, it was, well, I don't know the pastor there, but I know a lot about him. Yeah, I know he's an advisor to President Trump. Pastor Jetson Franklin uh, down in, in Georgia, and he's got this huge church. Of ten, I has tens of thousands of people that attend. I mean, it's huge. But the uh, President Trump tweeted this. He said, I am watching a great and beautiful service by Pastor Jettison Franklin. Thank you. Well, Franklin was standing in a, this gigantic auditorium that seats several thousands of people, and it was empty, of course. And he's standing there on the platform giving this sermon, just like there were people there, but he was online. And, and among those attending the online service was President Trump. And uh, Franklin acknowledged that he was aware that Trump Trump had told him he was going to tune in on his service, but he was aware of it. He acknowledged the fact that President Trump was joining them online during that service. The title of his sermon was Choose Faith Over Fear, and as I said, he delivered it to an empty to an empty uh, auditorium, very large auditorium. So things are changing. You know, is that a new model that we want to follow? No, not necessarily. I think we should not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. But things are changing. Sometimes good comes from evil. In fact, often. That's a biblical principle. No, God doesn't create evil so that he can do good. God is good. But God God allows evil sometimes to bring about his purposes. And this is a tricky question. You, can be, you have to be careful with this because... It can be easily misunderstood. It can easily get you off the rails a little bit and kind of, you know, to the side of the road where you don't want to be. But most biblical Christians, I think we all know Romans 8.28. If we read the Bible, go to church, serve the Lord. It's often quoted as a personal affirmation that God is in control of our lives because he is. And God has a purpose for our lives. He has a plan. Jeremiah said it's a plan for good, not for evil. God wants to bless and use each one of us in our own special ways. But the media, Bloomberg, New York Times, others, they're now suggesting that something good, that's right, something good might emerge from the coronavirus pandemic. One thing they say is 
concentrated effort to bring drug manufacturing back to the United States, away from China's chokehold. They're not suggesting for a moment that they're affirming scripture, but they kind of are, whether they know it or not. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes (laughs) this is just between you and me now. I mean, don't let anyone else hear this. But sometimes we Christians kind of want to apply that verse to our own purposes. That doesn't work. It only works according to his purpose. But for the most part, we understand what God is saying to us. It's all about God's purposes, but it comes as a real affirmation to us in our own personal lives. God is in control. God is working through circumstances, big and little. Even Governor Jay Inslee of Washington State noticed yesterday, he was aware of that. I mean, I guess he's aware. I don't know if he knows that verse or not. He said, quote, this is bigger than all of us. As he was talking about this fire, well, good morning. (laughs) Yes, of course it is. But I found it interesting that even the secular, the most often biased press, is somehow anticipating that something good can come from all of this. Bloomberg said in a headline yesterday, coronavirus will change how we shop, travel, and work for years. They said every economic shock leaves a legacy. The deadly coronavirus will be no different. They said the Great Depression spurned a waste-not, want-not attitude that defined consumer patterns for decades. Well, it did. I wasn't around during the Great Depression, but, man, my parents and all their friends, they talked about it all the time. I mean, it was like, it was real. Not negatively, but just it had such an impact on so many people. And their generation were kind of growing up during that time, coming of age. My dad left Spokane and moved to Yakima in the Yakima Valley when he was young because he heard that there were there was a job over there. He left the city and moved to a more rural area, and he found a job, I guess. He found my mom, <laughs> and they found me. But the Asia financial crisis left the region hoarding the world's biggest collection of foreign exchange. Bloomberg says now it's a public health emergency that's driving the changes. Some of the changes they predict are universities will diversify more in in regards to foreign students and schools will become better prepared to educate online and a whole list of things that they think is very important, and they may be. But they're, of course, talking extensively about how to accommodate and exploit for investment purposes the changes that are coming. But my point is that even the secular press recognizes that some good can come from evil. The pandemic will reset our culture in a number of ways, I believe. One way is not necessarily spiritual, but it's very accommodating. And it could be a blessing to many. The the New York Times says, and this is a headline from the New York Times, coronavirus spurs U.S. efforts to end China's chokehold, sir word, chokehold, on drugs. China makes all of our drugs now. I have mentioned before on this program, I believe in healing. I believe that Jesus Christ is the great physician. I believe that he can touch our bodies and heal us. And I think sometimes he chooses to heal us through the hands of the physician. 
and through medical research and things that are developed by mankind because all knowledge is God's knowledge. All truth is God's truth. Everything. God owns music and culture and art and all of these things. It's man that perverts them. That's where I'm coming from, but I believe also that God can touch an individual and heal them. So the White House, this White House trade advisor, Peter Navarro, he says, was telling the press Monday, yesterday, he says that he's drafted and will present President Trump with an executive order aimed at reducing the United States' dependency on overseas medical supply chains as a result of the current coronavirus pandemic. Navarro told CNBC, the business channel for NBC, he said, I want to ensure to Wall Street and the American people that we're tackling this. He said, we're on it 24-7, all hands on deck. The New York Times was interviewing him, and I, I don't want to go through too much of that, but just briefly touch on it. They, they, they were asking him, they said there's a rumor, they were asking Navarro, and he would know, he's, he's the advisor to President Trump on these matters. They were asking him, they said, there's a rumor that the administration, Trump, is attempting to persuade a Germany firm developing a possible vaccine. The company is CureVac. They're developing a possible vaccine, and they're, they said, we've heard a rumor that President Trump is trying to move, get the company to move to the United States as their base, and uh, German officials are concerned about it. They're fearful. Apparently in Berlin... There's a lot of fear that that the company is going to move to the United States because, they say, Trump is trying to ensure that any inoculation would be available first in the United States and perhaps exclusively. Can you speak to that, they ask. Well, that's how deeply this president is moving. And you don't hear that in the news. I mean, it's in the news now. The New York Times ran a story on it uh, yesterday. But... They said, you know, what about this? Well, Navarro obviously knows a lot about it, but he said, well, he said, I, I, I don't want to speak to that directly, but he said, what I can speak to is this broader, interesting issue of how dependent the United States of America is on global supply chain, not just its medicines, but for its medical supplies, medical equipment, and, and other things. So he went on to say, he said, 70% of our advanced pharmaceutical ingredients come from abroad. So he said, yes, we are taking steps to correct that. Although President Trump started questioning this right after he took office, I remember this because I wasn't aware that so much of our pharmaceutical, which, you know, means life and death to many in America and elsewhere, I, didn't, I wasn't aware that so much of it came from China. I mean, I knew stuff was coming from China, but I didn't know how much. But right after he took office in 2017, Trump started questioning this. He, he started Apparently, he didn't know before that how much was coming from there. And he began questioning that, and he said, why don't we move this home? Why don't we do this stuff here, and so on? Well, now it's starting to happen, and maybe he couldn't have gotten the support then. Maybe he can now. I don't know. But this is how good can evolve out of out of evil, and God can bring this about in our personal lives and in our collective national life. But how will this coronavirus impact your personal life? And I wanted to talk about that just for a moment today, perhaps Perhaps this is a time that, I mean, there's a lot going on, and we'll talk about it to the best of our ability. We'll cover what we think is important on this program every day. But most important, I mean, above all of this, is how is this affecting your life? Are you allowing it to 
to drive you by fear? I hope not. Because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't. He's given us a, a, a spirit of of praise and of thanksgiving and trust and wisdom, a sound mind and love. It's true that God can and does work through our difficulties to accomplish his purposes in our lives, not just nationally. But that verse actually in Romans is is personal. He doesn't create bad. He doesn't create evil. God is good. But sometimes through the bad thing, through the evil that has come upon us, through sin. One man sinned, and through one man, the human race became tainted with sin. We rebelled against God in the garden. We know the story. Bad things happen. But we can trust him because God has a plan for our life, and I believe God has a plan for each nation. And God's plan is for good not for evil. Most people, whether they're religious or not, they know the story of Job. It was a bad story. It's a story, even as a pastor, I sometimes thought, oh man, I don't want to preach on Job. You know, but I did. It was so bad that his wife even suggested that he curse God and die. I mean, that's how bad it got. I don't know if they knew about coronavirus, but they knew about stuff. He had boils and everything else. It was bad. Job his bride, his sweetheart said, why don't you just curse God and die? Joe's response, he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Somewhere in Job's heart and mind, way back there, he knew that God had a plan. He knew that God was working his purposes. Maybe he didn't understand as much as we know today, but he knew something. The story of Job ends at a new beginning. In Job chapter 42, verse 10 and 12, you can read it for yourself. The Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. And I know, I understand, I've been a pastor and in the ministry my entire adult life. I understand that verses like that are used sometimes for people trying to raise money and, you know, if you'll give me a dollar, God will give you ten. You know, I'm aware of that. But I'm also aware... And and I don't subscribe to that. But I'm also aware that God blesses multiplied times, sometimes in bringing about his purposes. And we simply need to be open and trusting of God to see what God wants to do in our lives, whatever it is. It may not be monetary. It may not be herds. I mean, how would you like God to bless you with 10,000 cattle in your backyard, in your cul-de-sac? We don't want that kind of a blessing, I'm sure, but... I will tell you, I know some who support this ministry that would like that herd to be delivered to their place, but maybe we can revisit Joseph's story during this time. He was mocked and betrayed by his own brothers, sold into slavery. All a path to God's purpose for his life that would ultimately bring him to the moment where he would proclaim, not from personal vindication, not from gratitude, but not from vindication or anger, but from gratitude to God and forgiveness toward his brothers. He looked at them and he said, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. In other words, I'm explaining to you what happened. You were used in the process by God. And it's brought us here to this moment 
today. So there are so many biblical accounts that show how God brings good out of evil circumstances. The Jewish leaders envied Jesus' wisdom and popularity, but they didn't believe he was the promised Messiah. And you know how that story went. They crucified him. 